trusting in the Lord? Are you trusting him to bring you out? Are you trusting him to bring you through? Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. about y'all but sometimes I know we got these contemporary worship songs praise the Lord but ain't nothing like going back reminds me of grandmama back in the day used to sing that song I will trust in the Lord until when until I die somebody say amen 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 give God some praise Well, you may be seated in the presence of our great God. Uh, we, at this time, we are dismissing our children uh, for children's ministry. I do want to just highlight, just uh, by way of reminder, uh, our Next Steps Pathway membership uh, class, uh, sessions three and four, is going to follow our service time. And so those, those who have already started the process, you know who you are. Or if you're interested in knowing more about membership, you can come as well. We'll meet right through this door back into the prayer room. And also, um, please be mindful of the week of prayer coming up. Week of prayer, week of prayer. It's very important that we um, lean into this um, as we seek to pray as a church. Uh, here, there will be some more specifics as it relates to that. But even collectively, as we're a part of, uh, of the kingdom of Woodside, right? Uh, you have 14 campuses, and the name of the Lord is great in our church. Somebody say, Amen. And also this Wednesday, those who are not in the life group, we will have our Wednesday night life group kickoff here at 6 p.m. right here in this room. Our elder Eddie will be leading out in that, and I will be present as well um, as we seek to dive into the study in the book of Daniel. And I do also want to highlight, um, this is very important, praise God for Dr. King, for God using him as a voice, as an instrument to challenge uh, the day of that time, in many ways, we're still dealing with a lot of injustices in our culture. If you don't, then wake up. You wake up. Injustice is real, but God has called us to be lights in a dark world, and praise God for Dr. King. And so me as African-American man, every day I'm grateful because I'm standing on his shoulders. And many others who paid my tuition, paid our tuition, so to speak. And so we give God honor and praise for Dr. King. Daniel chapter 2. If you've been tracking with us, we kicked off a series last week. Daniel, uh, in the book of Daniel, the narrative portion, we're looking at the clash of cultures. And today, like I said last week, I feel like preaching. Um, this chapter fires me up in so many ways. And yes, we're going to be looking at the whole chapter in this narrative. And if you have a digital device or just a good memory, <laughs> in Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at the whole chapter. But let me just, by way of setting us up, I want us to look at the first three verses. This is important because it sets up where we're going today. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, i.e. witchcraft people, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is troubled to know the dream. I want to put a tag on today's text, a kingdom 
dream, a kingdom dream. Father, we have sung to you. And what a joy it is to sing unto you. Uh, the spirit, your spirit is, is strong in this place. But we know worship uh, just isn't about singing. It's also sitting before you as you speak to us. And so, Father, I pray that as we look at this profound, captivating chapter in all of Scripture, we pray that we would see your glory and beauty in it. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, One of the things that I categorically hate, I hate with a passion, is traffic. Any other, any other people with me on that one? I cannot stand traffic. Um, the worst kind of traffic is when you are in traffic and you're trying to find an alternative route. You look at your GPS system on your phone and the phone don't even help you out. It seems like the alternative routes are longer than where you currently are, which was supposed to be the fastest route. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's really bad when you go out west where the exits are like 50, 60, 70 miles apart. Good luck. Good luck. Traffic. The bad kind of traffic where you, you can't seem to get through. And not even the trusted GPS system can even help you. Likewise, life is a traffic jam in many regards. We look at life. Yeah, it could be rough. Sometimes it's a nice, cool day in the summer, in the, with a summer breeze. It's, it's, it's no traffic. It's sunshine. And it's, it's every which and way. It's clear. But then kind of like these last few days, it's congested with snow ministry and ice. And, and metaphorically speaking, you're, you're stuck and you try to find different routes and how to get around this, how to navigate this. And it seems as if nothing is working to figure it out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've you tried this method. You've tried that method. You've tried the solution. And nothing seems to work from a human perspective. But oh, I praise God that God has all power in his hands. I praise God that God knows how to navigate us even when it seems very congested. If you were tracking with me last week, we... We, we, we made the observation that the Jews are now in Babylon. They are in a congested situation. You got the, the, the Jews who worship the true and living God, and now they are in a land filled with idols. And we learned the observation that God is sovereign over our cultural circumstances, which is a theme of the, really the book of Daniel, of the sovereignty of God, that God is in complete control. And it looks as if the Jews have lost all hope, but we learn the Jews are there because of their sin choices, but all oh, the grace of God, God still is going to preserve them and keep his promises. And we see that through the remnant of Daniel and his friends and so Daniel decides not to eat the king's choice food or drink the wine he wants to stand firm on the word of God and God gave them favor him and his friends God gave them favor educationally that God can cause us to thrive in the places that he sends us to but on top of that God gave them favor especially Daniel as it relates to supernatural dreams and visions and that's where chapter one left us off on and it sets us up to chapter two. And when we come to chapter two, the big idea is just simply three words. God is great. God is great. And the question we want to seek to answer this morning is, 
How can we believers, those who are followers of Jesus, how can we be confident when we clash with the culture? You do realize if you're walking with Jesus, I'm not talking about the one who's not walking with Jesus, but if you are walking with Jesus, you will clash with the culture. There are a lot of believers out there that go whichever way the wind blows. The devil ain't bothering them. He's threatened by the one who's actually making a stance. So how can we, those who are walking with God, taking their walk with God seriously, how can we be confident when we clash with the culture? Well, you asked great questions on a Sunday morning. Three quick thoughts here, and we'll, we'll put some meat on the bones. You see that right there in your notes. First of all, we need to know that God's wisdom is greater. God's wisdom is greater. Greater than what? Than human wisdom. We see this as the text throws us into Nebuchadnezzar has dreams, plural, dreams. Scholars agree that he had most likely had the same dream over and over again. He, he's, he's agitated because he knows the dream has some kind of significant meaning, but he doesn't know what it means. It, 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 it stirred his heart. It caused him to be anxious. It caused him to be worried. So much so that sleep left him. And just like any human, when you're perplexed about something, he, he seeks to get some help from his advisors. So he brings in some of everybody, people who are educated in every field, even the ones who are sorcerers, those who are witchcraft, those who tap into the spirit realm. You do realize that people out there today seek after stuff like this. King Nebuchadnezzar informs them as he brings them in. He said, listen, I, I had this dream and, you know, it's disturbing and, and, I, and I need to know the meaning of it. They're like, okay, sure, sure, king. Tell us the dream. Tell us. And we will interpret it for you. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar's like, no, that's not how it works. You tell me the dream or I'll kill you. And if, and if you do tell me the dream, hey, I'll reward you. But I'm not going to tip my hand and tell you the dream. No, you tell me the dream. And if not, you die. And if you do tell me the dream, you'll be rewarded. Well, why, why is he doing all this? Well, first of all, because he knows the dream has significance, but also he wants to have confidence, confidence knowing that without me telling you, you tell me, you tell me what the dream is. And if you can tell me, then I'll have confidence in what you're saying as it relates to interpretation. And so the advisors are like, hold on, hold on now, King. Hold on, slow your roll, man. Just tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. We'll get our devices. We'll get our books. We'll, we'll seek to interpret whatever. Just tell us the dream. And, and King's like, no, no, no. That's not how this works, guys. You tell me the dream or you will die. Don't try to buy time. Don't try to stall. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Don't be kissy face to me. Tell me the truth. Well, this, this, this tension goes back and forth. They're like, well... There's nobody here that can help you. There's no man here that can help you with this dream. What if only the gods can give you the dream in its meaning? Ah, I would say I agree, except for one thing. Only God can give the dream in its meaning. Obviously, King Nebuchadnezzar's ticked off. The brother's ticked off. He says, okay, I, I had enough. I had enough. All of y'all dead. So think about how insecure this guy is. He has a dream. Nobody can help him, not even the best guys. He's like, what use do I have of you? Everybody dies. But what's fascinating about this is, church, it's interesting to me, Daniel's not present at this meeting. He ain't present at this meeting. 
him and his him and his friends. So obviously the meetings adjourn. Death is on the horizon. All the advisors, not just the ones who are there, but every last one who who has that position, including Daniel and his friends, they all are dead. So you can imagine Daniel's like, okay, what's going on? Hey, man, Daniel, get ready. We about to die. He's, what do you mean about to die? Well, let me tell you this happened. The king had a dream and, and man, none of us could help him because he's demanding that we tell him the dream and nobody can help him. Nobody. So he's going to kill us and you right there with us. And Daniel's like, hold on, hold on, slow your roll, slow your roll, slow your roll. That's Pastor Ritz, uh, you know, uh, version of the story, slow your roll. And the church says, slow your roll. Now he tells him to slow down now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's put death on the side right now. And he says in verse 16, tell him, I will show him the interpretation of the dream. It's very important, church. Daniel, I love it, exercises faith without even knowing the dream. His confidence and trust in the Lord was so strong that he believed that God will give him what he needs even in the midst of facing death. So his faith, you tell him, put a pause on death. I will show him the dream. And it's interpretation. He knew in advance that God will give him what he need. And we see this because Daniel says, all right, we're in a circumstance. We're in a pickle. What does he do? Does he run? Does he hide? No, he grabs his friends. They go into the secret place and they pray. Ah, don't miss that. Daniel doesn't run and hide. No, he runs and leans into the Lord. The Bible says that him and his friends, they sought the mercy of God. One, because we don't want to die, but two, we want to know it's mystery. We want to know it's mystery. One Bible scholar puts it this way, that mercy is God's response to a person's need. Daniel recognized his own inability in the circumstances, watch this, and turned to God in confidence, expecting the Lord to meet his need He grabbed his friends. They fell before God. And what happens? God answered the prayer. God came through. God gave him what he needed. He gave him the dream. He gave them the interpretation. And what does Daniel do next? They have a praise party in the secret place. He blesses God for his power. He blesses God for his favor. He blesses God for his wisdom. Now watch this. All of this took place in the secret place before it went public. Something about God, once you know that God has spoken to you, once you know that God has given you what you need, Daniel has a Holy Ghost swag. Because he comes out of that prayer meeting and he lets them know, hey, (laughs) I got this. Let me speak to the king. Let me stop here and try to bridge some applicational gaps here. What are some takeaways we can learn from this first scene? Let me me give you these three quick thoughts here. And 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 I pray that this blesses you today. Number one, God always sets the stage. Somebody needs to hear that today. God always sets the stage. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, oftentimes, and you see this pattern in scripture, oftentimes God will allow things to get so bad to set you up to show you how mighty he is. You think about the the, 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 the children of Israel. They are standing at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army right behind them. 
And God told Moses, stop crying out to me. By the way, it comes a time where you got to stop praying and start believing. You got to stop praying and start moving. He says, you hold up your staff and the Red Sea departed. God allowed them to get to a place that seemed like all hope is gone to demonstrate how, how awesome and mighty he is. I don't know what Red Sea is before you this morning. I don't know what pickle you're in. I don't know what traffic jam you're in. I don't know what circumstance you're in. But what I do know from my understanding of scripture is that God wants to tell somebody here today, I'm setting you up to experience my greatness. So don't run, lean in, cling to him and believe him. God always sets the stage. But the second piece of applicational mail here is not only does God always sets the stage, number two, prayer is our lifeline. You know what I said, church? Prayer is our lifeline. The great pastor who is now with the Lord, A.W. Tozer, says this, whatever God can do, faith can do. And whatever faith can do, prayer can do when it is offered in faith. An invitation to prayer, therefore, is an invitation to omnipotence. For prayer engages the omnipotent God and brings him into our human affairs. Ladies and gentlemen, the most poorly attended meeting, especially here in the Western world, is a prayer meeting. We feel as if we got it figured out. We feel as if we are our own gods and we got it together. Why is it that we only lean into God when all hell breaks loose? Why can't we lean into God when everything's going well? But God will make sure that the pickles and traffic jams and the craziness that we're in, he will always make sure we are in over our heads to show us that there's only way you can get out of here. You got to tap into me. And the way you tap into me is you got to pray. And you got to pray like you've lost your cotton-picking mind. you got to lean into me. If you don't pray like that, trust me, God will show enough make us pray like that. There have been times in my life where I was praying prayers as if, man, I ain't never prayed like this before. And God's like, that's the point. I want you to pray desperate. I don't want you to have confidence in your career. I don't want you to have confidence in your, in your way you live. I don't want you to have confidence in your finances. Your only place of confidence needs to be in me. So prayer is our lifeline. And Daniel's example, here's a man who's at the elite status, has a great position, but yet he knows if God doesn't come through, we are dead. So prayer is our lifeline. But really more specifically here, third application of mail is that God is generous. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, God's generous with his wisdom. Because God gave Daniel exactly what he needed. Ah, oh, there's a New Testament scripture, James chapter 1, verse 5, which says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Here it is. Who gives generously to all without reproach? And it will be given to him. Are you in a jam? Are you in a crisis? God's word for somebody here today is stop looking at social media for your answers. Stop looking at YouTube, especially YouTube short videos for answers. Stop looking to your earthly friends who ain't even walking with Jesus for answers. It's time to stop, look up, and he's willing to pour out a window of blessing to give you wisdom. God is ready and willing 
We're the ones that think we're too busy for God. And God says, no, 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 no. Slow your roll. Stop what you're doing. Seek me. And I will give you the wisdom that you need to navigate because God's wisdom is greater than human wisdom. So how can we be confident when we clash with the cultures? God's wisdom is greater. But secondly, God's kingdom is greater. Ah, church, here we go. God's kingdom is greater. Daniel has the answer. He has the answer. God's given him the dream and its, and its meaning. And, and what I love about him is his confidence is a Holy Ghost swag. It's, it's confidence and humility. Uh, he, tells, he tells the king, no, don't trip. The dream you had, king, uh, nobody could give you this but God. And so what he seeks to do now is to outline to the king the dream and its interpretation. Now, it's important for us. I could easily summarize this section, but I'm not going to do that. But I want us to lean into the scripture and I want us to see what this specific dream and its meaning was. Daniel gives the dream. Watch this, verse 31. Daniel says, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. Watch this, church. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and, and, and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Watch this. You have a great image. And you have a great rock. The image is filled with all different materials, which we'll look at in a moment. But I want you to lock in on this great rock. This great rock, number one, its origin is supernatural. The text says it was cut out by no human hand. Not only that, it had supernatural power. This rock destroyed this image, not gradually, it was annihilated like bam kind of like Ray Lewis hitting somebody coming across the middle hello now annihilated had supernatural power but this rock also had global impact this rock became a mountain and it filled the whole earth now keep that in mind as we look at the interpretation now watch the interpretation here look at verse 36 watch this oh hallelujah this was the dream now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the fields, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. 
And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be divided, a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. Watch this. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. Stay with Daniel. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. And just as you saw the stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. May the Lord add a blessing, reading and hearing and doing of his word. Daniel gives King Nebuchadnezzar, first of all, four Gentile kingdoms. This wreaks havoc even today. First kingdom is Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He's the king of gold. He's the head of gold. But you do realize Babylon lasted, uh, some, some give the range between 65 to 70 years. It didn't last long. Daniel flat out tells the king, hey man, I know you're good, you're the head of gold, but you're about to be replaced. You're going to be replaced by a second kingdom. Scholars agree that the second kingdom, uh, described as chest and arms of silver, is the Medo-Persian Empire. If you look at history, you'll see this. They came in, they took over Babylon, and their kingdom lasted for some years. In fact, 200 years. That kingdom was replaced by a third kingdom described as belly and thighs of bronze. Again, if you look at history, you'll see this. This third kingdom was replaced by the kingdom of Greece, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great takes over and his kingdom expanded and you would have thought it was all powerful and there was nobody was going to replace it. Oh, but there was another kingdom that defeated the kingdom of Greece and that kingdom is the Roman Empire. That's what Daniel actually gives more uh, explanation to. He describes the Roman Empire as one of iron. If you look at Rome and its history, oh, it was an iron force to be reckoned with. Its structure, its, its, its organization, its military power. This same kingdom was in rule when Jesus was here on earth for his earthly ministry. These are the same soldiers that, that flogged our Savior, that, that nailed him to a cross, that guarded the tomb. This Roman Empire. But Daniel says, when you saw in that dream, clay and iron, there's a problem. Because even though Rome was strong, seemingly to the human eye, it was actually very fragile. You see, the collapse of Rome did not happen from the outside, it happened from within. Idolatry, sexual immorality, power struggles, and that collapse came. And so you look at these kingdoms. This is fascinating because keep in mind, this is years in advance. This is a prophetic dream that Daniel has. And when you look at history, you see how spot on God's word is. But watch this. Those four kingdoms are Gentile kingdoms. And by the way, Jesus even says that we are living in the times of the Gentiles that will not be completed until the second coming of Christ. But there's a fifth kingdom, the kingdom of God. Daniel says this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. 
This kingdom is, is divinely originated. It, it starts with God and it ends with God. And I love this. The rock that we see is Jesus Christ. The rock that he saw that was cut out with no human hand is Jesus Christ. When you look at Jesus in the Old Testament, he's often referred to as a rock. Interesting, when Jesus uh, asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, well, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus would say in Matthew 16, verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter. Oh, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, on this rock. Unfortunately, there's religions out there that think that the church is built on Peter. It is not built on Peter. My interpretation of that text is not that the rock is Peter. The rock is a declaration that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is the rock. So the rock that Nebuchadnezzar saw that brought down those kingdoms, we would know him to be the great I am that I am. And this rock became a mountain. That is, his kingdom fills the earth. You look at human history today, church, nothing will stop his church. You think about the advancement of the gospel that's happening even right now in unknown places. The miraculous things that are happening. Hell can't even stop the movement of God. And what Nebuchadnezzar saw, he saw vividly and explained clearly from Daniel that there's a kingdom that is greater than you. You talk about boldness. This brother standing before a pagan king and telling him, you are, you are just like the wind. You're here one day and you're gone, but there's a God in heaven who's here forever. And so this rock became a mountain. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What then does that mean for us? One word, confidence. Confidence. What are you facing today? Have confidence. Why? Because victory belongs to Jesus. Todd Delaney has that classic song, victory belongs to Jesus. Listen, church, we win. We win no matter what life throws at you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, you, you preach this sermon to yourself. We win. Why? Because Jesus wins. His record is a billion and zero and he does not lose. And we can be confident in him. One scholar says this. This is beautiful. He says the only kingdom that will stand forever is Christ's kingdom. And the only people who will be citizens of that kingdom are those who have trusted Jesus and been born again by the spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 37, you've heard the scripture, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Ladies and gentlemen, God's kingdom is greater. Be confident. Hold your head up. We win. I read the story. We win. We win. I know you might be praying for your lions. My team, the Atlanta Falcons, they're doing what I'm doing. They're sitting at home watching the other people play. I know you're throwing up your prayers. Hello, Elder Eddie, with, your, with the cowboy ministry. and Even with, amongst the booze. 
But we don't have to worry about that with God's kingdom. God wins. We should be, not arrogant, but we should be among the most confident people. No matter what you're facing, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. How can we be confident when we clash with the culture? God's wisdom is greater than human wisdom. God's kingdom is greater. But thirdly and finally, God is greater than all our authority. God is greater than all our authority. Interesting here, if you look at verse, 30, verse 46, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, is, he's hitting the face with his truth, right? The dream, its interpretation. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, notice, notice, notice how Nebuchadnezzar treats Daniel. He fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. In other words, he's treating Daniel as a god. He's treating Daniel as a god. And, and, he, and Daniel, you know, he's like, okay, I mean, you know. And then he acknowledges, you know, Daniel, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. He's God of gods. Yeah, that's true. But don't get it twisted. See, he, he, let, me, let me just say this. Just because somebody recognizes for God, God for who he is, that don't mean they're walking with him. The devil got good theology. Why do you think we got all these different religions out there? The reason why, let me just simplify it. The reason why there's other religions out there outside of Christianity is because the devil has good theology. He knows the truth. So he wants to be a liar to all of us. He wants to be a deceiver. So simply because the demons believe and they shudder. So don't get it twisted. Nebuchadnezzar, the brother ain't saved. He's acknowledging, even though it is true, that God is the God of gods and Lord of kings and so Nebuchadnezzar he treats Daniel like a god he acknowledges Daniel's god and then he elevates Daniel he promotes Daniel but Daniel's like hey I didn't get here by myself I want you to help me out with my friends too and now his friends who will now be the center focus for next week's message is now that they have now been elevated in their position as well because they were the ones that prayed with the brother when 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 he was facing when they were facing death and God came through. I said this last week, and I have to say it again because this theme is woven through the book of Daniel, and it's simply this. When we honor God, God will honor us. And let me just throw this one out there for free. Do not seek platforms. Do not seek position. Seek to be faithful. And when God is ready, he'll come and get you. Did you hear what I said? That don't mean that you don't have your resume. Yeah, you have your resume. I mean, you do your best. But don't seek the platforms. Don't seek it. I've seen God drop people. I've seen God shift people, put them where they need to be for, so they can give him more glory. Any stage that God gives us is really a statement of will you give me more glory? And so God will give you what you need. As the worship team comes up, as we kind of put a bow on this, I, I want to I give us at least uh, two thoughts here, and I pray, I pray that we can be, be encouraged by this, and I pray that you have been encouraged by this. The, be the beauty of God's scripture is fascinating. It's just, it's just fascinating to see, and actually this chapter alone, you could have chopped this up in many ways, but I want to give you, I want to give us three or you know, two key challenges. Number one, challenge number one, I must prioritize my life. I, I, I am amazed, I am amazed how easy it is to lose sight of my priorities. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Seems like every day that's thrown at us. What, what do I deal with? What do I tackle? What do I do here? What do I do there? What, how do I do it? What do I do? And God's saying, stop. Prioritize your life. Submit to God's kingdom first. I know you got a lot going on. I know there's agendas for the day that are noble. But begin your day, even if it's, all, if it's your commute to work, if it's the first thing you do in the morning, if it's playing some worship music, say, Lord, I align myself centered before you. Prioritize my life. Daniel was able to give this interpretation because you can see it, his priorities were in line. My priority is God. Everybody else is secondary. I must prioritize my life. The second and final takeaway here is this, which really is a sibling of the first one. I must make my life count. I must make my life count. Ladies and gentlemen, eternity is forever. There are no repeats. We are here to serve the purposes of God. His way is far better than anything that I can create for myself. And if we're not serving the purposes of God, we are wasting our lives. How sad it is, how grieving it is for people to live their life wastefully and to die and to enter into eternity not knowing that separation from God is a real deal. I got to lean into this. We have to have an eternal perspective that everything we do has eternal implications. And I have to live my life with a sense of urgency because none of us knows when God's going to say, Brendan, Give me back my breath. So as we, 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 we clap our hands and we sing, amen, amen to all of that. But if God is going to be great in our lives, we have to make him our priority. And we have to make our life count. As I said last week, as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not, this ain't a matter of praying about it. No, it, this is just what it is. We have drawn the line. Serve the purposes of God. God is great. And I just love the accuracy of the word of God. That Daniel, what he prophesied actually came to pass. And in many ways, we're still wreaking the, the effects of it because God's kingdom is advancing like a mountain. And nothing is going to stop his church. And aren't you glad that the power of God is so great? It's not on the defense. It's always on the offense. What defense can stop the kingdom of God? None. So why would I be on the opposing team? Hello. Join his team and I guarantee you, you will win.
So, Father, we bless you today. We bless you in this time of response. We bless you. Because your word is so accurate and precise. Just even studying this, looking at history and seeing exactly what Daniel prophesied. It has baffled the minds of the skeptic. And the accuracy of these actual kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Roman Empire, none of them are in existence anymore. But there's one kingdom that's still advancing all through human history. It's not America's kingdom. Praise God for this nation. But we don't trust in this nation. We trust in you. We trust in you. Because that's where our hope is. If I look at any earthly nation, I can, I can get easily frustrated. You know, even though we're grateful for the freedoms we have in this land, for the follower of Christ, we ultimately know our freedom is not this land. Our freedom is found in you. Eternity will be with you for the believer. So, Father, thank you for the beauty of this scripture. How you have pretty much shut the mouth of King Nebuchadnezzar. You've shown him, yeah, King, you might be earthly great, but I'm eternally great. And you work through cracked jars of clay like Daniel to reveal who you are. And so, Father, I pray even today that you will work through all of us who are cracked jars of clay. That you will use us to be vessels of honorable use. That you will help us to be a mouthpiece of the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter where you send us. Whether it be in school, whether it be on a mission field somewhere, whether it be right here in a local church, in this community. We pray, oh Lord, that like Daniel, that we will have humility, yes, but also a God-sized confidence. Because you are true. And you are who you say you are. Now, Father, be with us as we sing. As we get ready to close out. If there's anybody that needs prayer, we have some people that will be up here to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today is a good day to say yes to the rock that is strong. Today's a good day to turn from my sin and embrace the rock of Jesus Christ. That he shed his blood for you. And he rose again. And all we have to do is turn and believe in the Lord Jesus. And we will be saved. Today is a good day to say yes to Jesus. Today is a good day to be prayed over. Be with us as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Let us sing together. Amen, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for that word on today. We pray that it blesses, that it penetrates hearts, and that it just reaches places that only God knows it can reach. How many know that God is awesome in the house? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's truly awesome. We heard Pastor Brendan reference it a number of times. He said, God is great. His kingdom is greater, right? The theme of great and greater just keeps showing up. And we just came to encourage you that as you go through this next week, you're going to see the theme of great and great.